Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from the beginning to the present. And we want to welcome back today as our special guest, uh, Eileen Cornish. Eileen, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Arch. I didn't realize how much we could talk, but I guess we're good talkers. Well, Thanks for having me. Eileen, I have known you for many years, and one of your characteristics is you can talk. You can talk. <laughs> and well, you, my friend. And usually <laughs> when, when we are together, you talk and I listen, correct? As it should be. Oh, well, <laughs> listeners, absolutely <laughs> The opposite. Absolutely opposite. <laughs> so in our first program, Eileen, you talked a little bit about your background in case people missed our first program. We're doing a couple of programs to remember uh, Kim DeBloss, who was worked at the Freedoms Foundation for a little over 10 years. And Eileen and I worked with her for about four years together. And Kim left us a tremendous legacy of American history and the burden that she had to schedule programs for, for high school and elementary and middle school kids and also for our teachers in the summer. And so I had asked Eileen to come on and share some stories about Kim and what she did to help promote American history through the Freedoms Foundation. So Eileen, if you would like to pick it up where we left off on our, our last program and sharing some stories about Kim's influence on, on the programs that we have for American history through the Freedoms Foundation. Well, one of the things that we had talked about um, on your last program, Arch, was um, the teacher programs and um, how she would uh, come up with these ideas that she would think about um, you know, ways to enhance the teacher programs. And one thing that, oh, another thing that always just settled with me was she never said to you or to any of the academic directors, we can't do that. That is really, that's, that's never going to work. That wasn't who she was. She took down the list of all the things that you wanted to do, and she would find a way to make it all work. And if something had to get squeezed, it was always like, you know, you were ripping her heart out because she couldn't figure out a way to right. stuff, you know, <laughs> to stuff 80 hours of um, programming into a 50-hour week or whatever. So um, I I admired that about her um, and about the ability that she had. And you spoke about it last time about her not having a history background, but her ability to know what was important around here and how it would have an impact on teachers who could then influence children and then on children who came who could then in, you know influence future generations. Like I mentioned last time, parents whose kids are now coming here um, who had been here years and years before. So um, those are some of the things that stick out uh, in my mind um, about Kim and what you know what she gave. She gave her heart to making sure the experience was worth it. Eileen, in our first program, you started to talk about the, the uh, Medal of Honor Grove. Would you share with our listeners a little bit more about the Medal of Honor Grove and, and what is there and what they can see and, and, and how Kim, that was, Kim had a, a wonderful heart for the Medal of Honor Grove. And again, listeners, Freedoms Foundation is, is a tremendous it's sadly a, a, a well-kept secret in our area. It's right off Route 23 coming up out of Valley Forge. And we are just filled with history there and, and the experiences of it. So Eileen, share with our listeners a little bit more about the Medal of Honor Grove and, and Kim's influence with that and, and what our listeners could come and visit and see there. Well, the Medal of Honor Grove is the largest um, tribute to Medal of Honor recipients, which is the highest honor you can get in, you know, in the military. Um, and on the campus, it's about 42 acres. The grove
Lakewood is about 42 acres itself, and there is an obelisk that stands for every state as well as um, U.S. territories, and uh, little signs of the people who lived, who came from that, not who were born in that state, but who enlisted in their service, in their service from that state. So I might have been from Pennsylvania, but if I didn't go into the service until I was in Arizona, and I became a Medal of Honor recipient, my my placard would be in Arizona. It wouldn't be in Pennsylvania. So this was actually dedicated um, on the Freedom Foundation site in 1964, and um, it was conceived by Dwight Eisenhower. And when he was president, I didn't know this until my first tour of the Grove, but there is a helicopter pad out there mm-hmm. that still exists that used to fly from D.C. to Freedom Foundation, you know, to be on campus. So anyway, it's the oldest living memorial um, honoring more than 3,500 Medal of Honor recipients, and there are so few of them left. I think at last count it was somewhere around 70. So as part of the teacher program, we do Medal of Honor programs in the sense that we focus on, uh, you know, World War II or World War One or the Vietnam War. And in our relationship with the Medal of Honor Foundation, our hope is to bring a Medal of Honor recipient to campus. And that recipient talks to teachers, has lunch with the teachers, signs autographs, takes pictures. They tell their story. Um, it's a very impactful part of the of the teacher program. And it is the, these are the programs that fill up um, very, very quickly. I mean, teachers want to get into them. They, you know, they want to meet um, these these people the, uh, who are, for the most part, every Medal of Honor recipient I ever met is the most humble individual I have yeah. ever come across. Yeah, I agree with um, you. yeah so, um, so that's what the Medal of Honor Grove is. But until, um, because these programs for teachers in particular, and you know this, Arch, because you run them, they are just jam-packed with um, lectures and discussion and um, tours and things like that. The, the tour of the Grove, the Medal of Honor Grove, which is right there where the teachers are staying, really kind of falls by the by the side. And and Hume made sure in the last couple of years, not last year because of the pandemic, but the year before that and the year before that, that we were making sure that there were um, times in their schedules for teachers that they could jump on a golf cart with uh, Deb, our Medal of Honor Grove curator, and she would drive them around, show them the Grove. She'd talk about it. Um, she'd take them to the state where they were from and show them what it meant. These teachers were taking pictures out there. Then they'd take that back and these are the, um, you know, these are the relics that they have to share with their students. And when you can, and you know this as a teacher, Arch, I know this as a teacher, when you can show them something and you can put your hand on something yes, and say, yes. this is the place, kids go, wow. And so she did that for teachers. Um, the kids didn't understand it as much because they were younger. Right. So you couldn't really take a, you know, I couldn't really take a fifth grader out to the Medal of Honor Grove without them. If they didn't quite grasp all of what was important in that, even my eighth graders, when I brought my eighth graders here from San Diego, they didn't, even though we went to the California obelisk or whatever, it, it still didn't connect uh, with them all the way, not like it does with teachers. So anyway, the Medal of Honor Grove is there. Um, it's certainly open to the public every day during daylight hours. Anybody can go there. There's a beautiful trail that loops all the way around. Um, there's maps out there so you don't get lost. There are markings and um, placards describing, you know, the important things that are out there and what they stand for. So I do encourage anybody who's uh, in our area who's never been that it's a, it's definitely a must-see. I would put it on the, you know, bucket list. Eileen, yeah, you know, we both know that uh, listeners, unfortunately, Kim had uh, very, very bad knees, and, and it, oh. often, it was oftentimes very hard for her to, to maneuver, and Eileen, every time I saw Kim, Kim would always say to me, well, Arch, my knees aren't working today, My and I never knew I never knew where her knees were actually working, and one, <laughs> one, one day, uh, I was up in the, uh, the Martha Washington building, where you had your office with Kim, and we had to go 
go down to the cafeteria and she said to me, okay, well, I'm going to drive down. And I said to her, Kim, you don't need to go down there. I can take care of that. And she said, no, no, I really need to get down there because uh, helping the teachers uh, uh, get acclimated is really more important than my knees. And uh, yeah, and I told you this. I, I, I know. Absolutely. She went down there every, almost every mealtime. If she missed a mealtime, it was because something happened in the week's program yes. where she needed to readjust a plan. But she made sure that at mealtime, breakfast and lunch anyway, because of course she, you know, she had a fa- she had a family. She took great care of her father up until, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that un- unti- unti- her untimely death. And um, so, you know, rarely for dinner, but always breakfast and lunch. I told you last program, she was the face that greeted those students every morning. And it didn't matter whether it was 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. She was the face that greeted those kids every morning and never, you know, grumpy or like I haven't had my coffee yet, like teachers can tend to be when they see their kids first thing in the morning. She would be, good morning. How is everybody today? Yes. You yes. look tired today. Um, I mean, just to have a human connection. And I and I told you last time, it was important that it felt like home, that, you know, we always hated when kids would get homesick, that, you know, that that hurt. And we tried to make it as, um, as homey for them as we can. She took great care in making sure the kids who had special needs um, were taken care of. Not only the kids who came to visit, but Kim was the primary coordinator of students with special needs from our area who yes. would come to campus to assist us. Um, we had students from the intermediate unit uh, come and sometimes because we were so, because Kim was so organized and what she wanted those kids to do, they would come to Freedom Foundation more than they would go to other places to do things. They did everything from helping fold uh, laundry because, you know, it's a huge dormitory operation and when you're hosting 130 kids at a pop, you got to do a lot of laundry. So the kids would learn to fold laundry. They were dust in the dorms. They helped set the tables, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the dining hall. Um, so she was also the main contact for the intermediate unit. Um, and they loved coming to Freedom Foundation because they knew Kim would give the kids valuable work to do. I mean, some of it was a little mundane from what we would think, but these kids grew um, by being by being with us. And when they left, they were sad to leave. So um, she made sure that everybody found a, uh, had a home. And I remember, Eileen, one of the first times I met Kim, she would say to me, now, aren't you, I am not an historian, but I love American history. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions all, all the time that we'll ever talk <laughs> because I, I don't know, but I want to know. And if you if I find something and I, I think it's interesting, I'll run it by you. You know, and so that was that was Kim's heart. You know, and that, that's what that's what her emphasis was. How can we make the experience the best we can at the foundation for the kids and for the teachers so they in turn can turn around and continue to, to teach the history of, of, of our nation? And Kim was one of those people that though she was wasn't out front exactly you know teaching without her we couldn't do what we do and we couldn't do what we you know we have done all these years without her valuable influence so um, I remember Eileen she called me when we talked about our first program the French and Indian War when she said what do you think about doing a program on the French and Indian War and I said great let after my silence I said great idea so let's start working on it. two days later I mean she called me she says tell me about the, these 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 Washington's pistols what are these Washington's pistols and why are they out in 
Why are they out at Fort Ligonier? What are these Washington's pistols? And what are they? And what are they doing out there? <laughs> so that was Ken, you know, already looking yeah. at what we can do to, to make a valuable experience for these teachers. So, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it. I couldn't have said it better. She really, um, she really did try to find uh, those kinds of things. Very interested in history. And, um, and it wasn't just the, uh, you know, American history. We talked briefly about this before, but, you know, Pennsylvania history, taking yes. teacher kids got to the Amish country. Yes, for, yes. for my group of students, for my group of students, we also, um, we also went to Hershey Park. We didn't go to the park itself, but because when we left the Amish country, we were so close to Hershey, she made it that we would get to Hershey to go to Chocolate World for the last hour before it closed so that the kids could just go to a place called Hershey, Pennsylvania, and the whole town smelled like chocolate, just mm-hmm. so that when they get, went home to San Diego and said, I was in Hershey, the, the kids loved that. They loved that little addition to, and it was and it was important for them as kids to, to have that experience, you know yes. what I mean? So yep. we, we, we did Hershey, that was always fun. She also tried as many times as she could when the kids were in Philadelphia to do like Pat and Geno's, and while mm-hmm. that's not history, that's fun. That's like what people think of when they think of Philly and cheesesteaks and people who don't come from Philly and don't understand like the fine art of cheese whiz and cheesesteaks. These kids loved it. For my kids, in, you know, that I used to bring, I used to show them that, you know, diners, dives and whatever clip it was right. on Pat right. and Geno's. And I'd show it to them before we come and I'd say, we are going here and you're going to, we're going to have the great cheesesteak today. You're going to tell me which is the best cheesesteak. And then she would get into it with them. She'd go, oh, which cheesesteak did you get? Which one did you like? Why mm-hmm. did you like that one better than that one? Or she'd say to the kids, <laughs> you know, you know what you really need to do is you need to get a friend and have them buy a pack and you buy a Geno's and then just switch. And, you know, you eat half and they eat half and then decide. I mean, she really got into those mm-hmm. kinds of things about making it, you know, a meaningful experience um, for kids. And listeners, you, we, you need to understand, as Eileen and I are teachers, we call those things hooks. And if we can throw hooks <laughs> out there to, to keep kids' attention or even keep teachers' attention, you know, then we're able so much more to, to share our experiences and our and the, the value of learning so much of the history in our area with with the teachers and also for the students. So Kim understood how important those hooks were to continue to keep the kids and teachers' attention so that we're able to continue these programs with them. So whether it's Hershey it's Park or, or, or the Amish yeah. country or Pat and Geno's, you know, all those things, Kim was well aware of what we could do to continue to keep their attention throughout a week's time. Right. And those weeks were full. I mean, you get those kids up, you know, and zero dark 30 and you'd run them all day long so that by nighttime when they were listening to whatever historical speaker was coming after dinner, you're trying to prop their heads up on the table because they have had a full day mm-hmm. and, you know, the history just continues. Um, those were some meaningful trips. She, Kim was always, Eileen, very excited when we would take the teachers to the uh, St. Augustus Lutheran Church out here in Trap. Oh. And mm-hmm. I, you are you, I know you were a member there. You were married there. Is that correct, Eileen? I was married there. Two of my three boys were um were baptized were baptized there. Yes, that now, Lutheran Church has very special meaning for us. Now, were you married in the original church or, or the new church? 
I was married in the new church, but my uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were married in the in the old trap church, the and trap. we all, we had yeah the old trap church, and we always if anybody who's in our area has never been, they do a candlelight Christmas Eve at the old trap church, which of course has no heat in it, and they give you a candle on the way in the door, and um, we that's that's an amazing beautiful experience as well. And, and listeners, the Henry Muhlenberg and that church has a significant role during the Philadelphia campaign to the American Revolution and at so much a lot of our uh, primary documents that we use at the foundation are from Henry Muhlenberg in this area and I think you remember every time we would talk about the Lutheran Church uh, Kim would always tell me now if you go around to the back and you go down a certain aisle and you go over here yeah that's that's where one of my relatives are buried and you go down another place and that's another place where my relatives are buried you know so she had these tremendous uh, deep stories to our area about American history that she was constantly sharing with me and then Eileen when the when my side of the conversation would go silent she would say Arch you're getting your eyes glazed over aren't you I said yeah <laughs> that, that was you know that was part of her love she just loved the, the 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 history of our area and and was well entrenched in it on so many different levels she really was and just not much to do about history but another just a funny story man she loved the Philadelphia foam shell oh my yeah. god awesome. and when the butter oh the butter molding thing we would hear I, I mean every morning she would come in and laughing about whatever mold was in the latest and she'd say I can't believe you didn't see it I'm like yeah I didn't see that yes. yeah. oh, <laughs> but she, but that brings back uh, the, the farm show she just loved that farm oh, show oh she loved the farm show uh, and yeah. listeners she was a big fan and we were both big fans of the Philadelphia Phillies and we constantly always talk oh, spring training and listening yeah. to the crack of the bat and what was going on with the Phillies and and another something, Elaine, Elaine, that she was always talking to me about was uh, Potts Grove and and the uh, oh. the the Revolutionary War camps of Washington's campaign down in Potts Grove. And she was so proud of that, and, and she did a lot of reading and research about it. And she was constantly talking to me uh, about you know Camp Potts Grove and what was going down on Swamp Pike and Gilbertsville, and and uh, you know so much that was there that she just was so excited about and read a lot about. Well, that's because she was born and you know born and raised in. Uh, you know, in this area, she never really left the area. So this is home for her. So the, the ties to home also, I think, um, sparked her interest in a lot of places. <laughs> um, what I recall a conversation I overheard the two of you about Daniel Boone's homestead. Oh, yeah. About making that... <laughs> About making that stop as part of, you know, uh, wherever you were going on your mm -hmm. bus and you would you insisted with her that is just not along the route. And for she was just as adamant as that these teachers needed to see it and it was going to be part of the route. And oh, my goodness, just like you, who has a very clear idea of what you do and don't want to do. She had a very clear idea of what you should and shouldn't be doing. So as I recall, you did visit the homestead, right? Uh, no, we did not. You did not? <laughs> no, we didn't visit the homestead. Oh, you won then. But there's well, a conversation about it. It's certainly worth listening to. Oh, absolutely. And then our listeners, Eileen and I had many conversations about uh, putting water on the bus for, for the teachers. But that was <laughs> one of those. And, and you and I would have those conversations. And Kim would just laugh. Just like when Kim and I had the conversation about the Daniel Boone homes that you laughed. So, but what... <laughs> Something, another something wonderful about Kim. When we do a program and we would put something new in it, Kim always.
always wanted to know, did that work or didn't it work? Yep. And if it didn't work, we, you know, we didn't fight over that. There was not egos involved in that. It, it didn't work. And so she would say, okay, well, we just won't do that again. Or something that worked, she said, okay, we'll incorporate that again. So be, and again, as you have said many times, because her heart was, what can we do? What, how can we make this the best experience for the kids and the teacher? It's not what we want to do. It's what what's their, their best experience was. And so that's one of the many reasons that I found that it very easy to work with Kim and talk these things through and put these programs together. Oh, you're so, you are so right. I mean, she really wanted to know, and I said this to you before, she really wanted to know, did they like it? Was it worthwhile? Yes. Should we do it again? Is there a way we could do it better? Is, you know, should we just ditch it or did we do something wrong? She she really did strive um, to make that happen, not just in the teacher programs, but in the, you know, in the kids programs too, as they started to expand and include different, you know, different things that we hadn't done before. Um, I remember the the overnight stay in Washington, D.C. That was just, um, you know, take eighth graders and you can't really do Washington, D.C. in a day and come back to Valley Forge. So it was, okay, we're going to have to spend the night there. And really in Freedom Foundation campus, you can keep those eighth graders pretty contained in the boys dorm and in the girls dorm and you have your chaperones mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> Always the discussion about the hotel. How was the hotel? Was it bad? You know, was it in a bad area? How did the kids do? And there were always hotel stories because, gosh, we knew it never, ever turned out the right way. We got, um, you know, the wrong rooms, even though they promised us the right rooms. And some kids were on the fourth floor and other kids were on the first floor. And how are we going to possibly watch these kids? And she'd be like, we're not staying there again. They told me we're all going to stay together. We're not staying there again. She, I mean, that was the mama instinct in her. She was yeah. like, nope, didn't treat my kids right. We're not doing that again. Um, and, you know, as a teacher slash chaperone on those overnighters, I loved being able to know that the kids were all contained in one place at Freedom yes. Foundation. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't sleep a, a lick on those hotels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I you probably, well, you can testify to this, that I have certain ideas of certain things that I want to do, and I'm pretty adamant about doing those things. And Kim understood that, and she was she knew how to move the conversation around to fi- having me think about the possibility and maybe doing something that was outside of my box. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. And, and she, uh, she did that with you, and she, and she did it with Stuart Liberger, who does our other traveling program. And and listeners, I would say 95% of the time, Kim was right. You know, Kim was right. And several years ago, when when we now have the on-campus programs, uh, unfortunately, a lecture would cancel at the last minute, and they they were looking for something. And Kim would call and say, hey, Arch, our our professor canceled tomorrow. Can you do a Valley Forge tour? And and listeners, and, and Eileen, no matter what I was doing the next day, Anything that Kim DeBloss would ask, we would we would we would move hell and high water to do it because that's who Kim was and that's the respect and love we had for her and because she was so she worked with us so well and did so much for us. There is nothing that I wouldn't have done for Kim DeBloss except maybe put water on my bus, but that was your idea, not hers. So right, or let me sit next to you on the bus too. Well, yeah, that. Let's as we're wrapping up, Eileen. Is there anything? <laughs> As we're conveniently wrapping this up now, is there anything last that you would like to to share with our listeners in memory or memorial of, of Kim DeBloss? Well, I think um, there, the teachers are going to hold a, sh- uh, a memorial for her. This um, I'm going to get choked up. <laughs> 
yeah. this summer. And I think that speaks volumes. And the teachers are putting that together. And the, and they are. Eileen, that is, I believe, June 30th? It is June 30th in the chapel. At, at I believe, um, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, yes. The six chapel on campus. You, will, you have a program that week, but there is no speaker for you that night. So yes. they arranged it on that night. There, are, I know there are teachers who, um, who are organizing this uh, completely on their own. It's not part of Freedom Foundation or, or anything that Freedom Foundation is doing other than opening the chapel so that they can um, celebrate her memory. Um, they're flying in from from all over. Yeah, they if are. They're not here, if they're not here for your program, um, there are teachers who are flying in from all over to be part of it. Teachers are asking, can someone stream it so that I can be there too? Mm-hmm. That says a lot. It says, and, and that was, you know, that's, you're right, that's the heart of Kim. And uh, listeners, if you would like to come to that, if you knew Kim and would be, be would be part of that, you're more than welcome to come. And it would be so fitting if you would come and just t- visit the foundation and go down to the Medal of Honor Grove and, and see see what we're talking about in memory now of Kim de Blas. So, Eileen, uh, my last thing that I would like to share as we're closing this out, that Kim's last picture that she ever posted on Facebook is the flag of the United States. Oh, aren't you right? And that, and that is, that is, that is, that that is Kim de Blas, and, and her memory will continue to, to to remain in our hearts and so many teachers, and her legacy will continue on through with so many of the teachers and, and kids throughout this nation. So, Eileen, this is wasn't easy for either one of us to do, but I think it was very healthy to do. And again, even for that, even higher than that was to remember Kim de Blas and what she has done to help the kids of our nation and the teachers of our nation continue to teach this wonderful story called the United States of America. So Eileen, thank you for coming and sharing and and, and helping us both get get through this this time as we remember Kim. So thank you, Eileen. Very special for me, Arch. Thanks so much for having me. I really love doing it. Thank you. Thank you. So listeners, this is 1180 AM WFYL, Working for Your Liberty. 